Thought Bubble Audio. Welcome to Read Up, the podcast where we talk about books intellectually and stuff. Today's guest is Scott, and today's book is Marvel Comics, The Untold Story by Sean Howe. Scott, how are you today? I'm very good. How about you? Oh, I'm doing quite well. Um, Scott, you've had some time to read, I noticed, because, (laughs) you know, we're inside and stuff, and, you know, but life is still trugging along for us, which is good. I'm happy to be here, and I'm happy to have you back, and happy to have you talk about Marvel Comics, The Untold Story, because this is one of my absolute favorite books, Um, and it's really an intersect of a lot of my particular interests, you know, the comic book industry, and and superheroes in general, and, like, life in New York, and, like, all these different things kind of merge together to form something very uh, special to me. So, what, what was your what was your take on this book? Uh, well, one actually funny thing is that it wasn't staying inside and reading it. I actually spent a lot of time with the audio. I, I, I did this audio book. I actually do not have a physical copy of this book. So, one shout out to the narrator who that has got to be the most engaging narration of a nonfiction book I've ever listened to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've I've listened to the I've listened to the audio book and have read the um the physical copy several times so much that actually the spine is actually falling apart um on it i open up two pages and it is clearly separated like the net like is showing like between the books like you would pick up in like a dollar bin store so oh that just hurts my heart that hurts my heart i know it's I'm, just... I'm a shelf trophy kind of guy i i really am i'm like i i, I it's like how far can i open it without cracking the spine that's my wife hates me I just, just like, no, I actually buy her own copies of books because like, no, you can't touch mine. Yeah. No monster. Yeah. Generally I am also like that. Like if the book doesn't look red on the shelf, I'm satisfied because I actually prefer soft covers to hard covers. Uh, and so, uh, like they, they look red basically when you read them the majority of the time. So, but this one I've just had for, I've just had, uh, Marvel comics, the untold story, for a long time 2012 this book was published so uh, I, I think for yeah, almost 10 yeah. years i've had it for eight years now you know almost 10 so um so it's great so anyway for the people who don't know what it's about i'm going to um i'm going to read the cover per we per usual it says uh Operating out of a tiny office on Madison Avenue in the early 1960s, a struggling company called Marvel Comics presented a cast of brightly costumed characters distinguished by smart banter and compelling human flaws. Spider-Man, the Fantastic Four, Captain America, the Incredible Hulk, the Avengers, Iron Man, Thor, the X-Men, Daredevil. These superheroes quickly won children's hearts and sparked the imaginations of pop artists, public intellectuals, and campus radicals. Over the course of half a century, Marvel's epic universe would become the most celebrated fictional narrative in history and serve as modern American mythology for millions of readers. Throughout the decades-long journey to become a multi-billion dollar enterprise, Marvel's identity has continually shifted, careening between scrappy underdog and corporate behemoth. As the company has weathered Wall Street machinations, Hollywood failures, and the collapse of the comic book market, its characters have passed along generations of editors, artists, and writers, also known as the celebrated Marvel bullpen. 
Entrusted to carrying on the tradition, Marvel's contributors impoverished child prodigies, hallucinating peaceniks and mercenary careerists, among them, struggled with commercial mandates, a fickle audience, and over the matters of credit and control one another. For the first time, Marvel Comics reveals the outsized personalities behind the scenes, including Martin Goodman, the self-made publisher who frayed into comics after a get-rich-quick tip in 1939, Stan Lee, the energetic editor who would shepherd the company through thick and thin for decades, and Jack Kirby, the World War II veteran who co-created Captain America in 1940, and 20 years later developed with Lee the bulk of the, com the company's marquee characters in a three-year frenzy of creativity that would be the grounds for future legal battles and endless debates. Drawing on more than 100 original interviews with Marvel insiders then and now, Marvel Comics is a story of fertile imaginations, lifelong friendships, and action-packed fistfights. Reformed criminals, unlikely alliances, and third-act betrayals, a narrative of one of the most extraordinary, beloved, and beleaguered pop culture entities in America's history. Wow. Yeah, that was really long. Um, <laughs> but you know what? Even that is riveting, Scott. Yeah, exactly. Well, the thing about this book that got my attention as I was reading it was one, the fact that it wasn't a puff piece. I went into this with a certain amount of trepidation that it was going to be a, a, a publicity doll, uh, darling. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, because I mean, let, let's be frank. I, my reading of comic books tends to, I have a preference for DC Comics over Marvel Comics, even though growing up I was in a giant Spider-Man and X-Men collector. Mm -hmm. Like, but but as far as Marvel Comics was concerned, if it wasn't Spider-Man and if it wasn't X-Men, I really didn't care. Like, I didn't get anything else, which is kind of funny when you reach that point, like historically that point in the book. And I'm like, well, I was pretty much like the rest of America, apparently. Yep. Mm -hmm. I actually, uh, I actually feel exactly the same way about this book because it is not a puff piece. It is not afraid to tell you the dirty behind the scenes things uh, about corporate Marvel America, and uh, or and just they, comic book industry in general. In like general, mm -hmm. like this book is telling you this is what happened at Marvel. But I'm sitting here going, but I've heard some similar stories about DC and other. Like you, you know, it's like yes, Marvel is the lens we're looking through but it's just one example of the comic book industry as a whole that's right that's right i agree and but different what's interesting about marvel it was their company policies i think in the the way that the way that the company was run they talk a lot about you know like the marvel bullpen right these these people who were these people who were uh in it for the characters and whatever else and that's kind of the 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 way marvel presents itself but he, but in reality they were just guys working a job just like they were everywhere else the difference was a lot there was a lot of turnover so there's a lot of like fresh young guys um putting in their ideas to the book to kind of always keep the characters contemporary and that's where dc lagged for many years in their mm -hmm. in the 60s and 70s in their war with kind of their um duel with one another so, but what what drew me in to this book is uh, uh, characters and books that I didn't read as a kid. Like you, I was a Spider Man guy and an X Men guy, 
and I also really didn't care about the rest unless like those characters popped up somewhere else. I did like the Fantastic Four a lot, but mostly I was a, I I went from being a Marvel kid to a DC adult. Um, Same here. Yep, and and it's funny because a. In the history of comics, many people did the opposite. They started as DC people, and then they kind of what they call like graduated to Marvel. And now we're actually seeing kind of the reverse effect of that on the industry. But there are books that I like actively hunt out now, things like Tomb of Dracula and Werewolf by Night, because they're just – they showcased writing and art that you weren't seeing in other bits of the industry at the time where they were like churning out superheroes. So like whenever it would get to like like Tomb of Dracula or Werewolf by Night, I was like, oh, I need to know more about that right now, please. Well, and also what I loved about the book was the reason it is such a comprehensive book is that the author interviewed over 150 people like this if you want to talk about a book that that relies on its primary sources he was able to talk to the people Mm -hmm. who the book is talking about or we lived in an era because marvel comics as we know it was born in the early 60s we had the technology to record things that they actually said so like you have radio interviews or tv interviews or the very people who were talking about are still alive and he was able to go and talk to them. Mm-hmm. And so just the, just the scope of the primary sources that he had access to to tell the story and to get everyone's side of a story. Like I never felt like the author was subjectively biasing the reader to one side or the other because he let the people's own words speak for themselves and the reader basically if the reader wants to pick a side the reader kind of has that option because they're hearing what everyone's saying Mm -hmm. that's right yeah if you want to be on jim shooter's side go for it but maybe you don't if you want to be on stan lee's side or do you want to be on jack kirby's side uh i like that sean howe the author he doesn't really he doesn't he doesn't say like you have to be on Stan's side because he's Stan and you don't have to root for the underdog just because Jack was the underdog and unrecognized if you know take what you want because I think in the real world there's no there's a gray there's a gray area into which they both did something's right and something's wrong and and the book recognizes that really without pointing fingers at Marvel as a company or people as people no, once again, it's just it, what it was. Just here, here I present the evidence. Mm-hmm. Here I present what people had to say, and I think when it comes to nonfiction writing, it's so refreshing to get that because this book also dealt with because I'm I'm a very well read comic book fan. You know, I'm you know pushing forty, and have been and have been around for a while. This book talks about creators like, yep, I know who that is. Yep, I know who that is. Mm-hmm. It talks about arcs, not even arcs I was alive for, but mm-hmm. arcs that growing up I was like, oh, the death of Gwen Stacy, Harry being a drug addict, you know, oh, you know, it would talk, you know, the Dark Phoenix saga, you know, mm-hmm. my, it was just, oh, I've read this. I know some of these stories. My, my late comic book store, the owner was a Marvel zombie. 
and I would get versions of stories, but of course told from someone who has a particularly pro Marvel perspective, or you watch any kind of documentary where they kind of spruce everything up. And it was kind of like, this book has given you the skinny. So like, I'm looking at these stories, I'm hearing about these personalities that I've known for years. And it's like, Oh, okay. It because and it was also kind of fun reading the book because when it would hit those eras of Marvel comics, or especially when it gets to the late eighties, nineties, where it's like, oh, I was, I was there, I was there for this. Mm-hmm. It was, it, it was kind of fun to go. I know what's going to happen. I know these stories, but then I learn. Other sides to the stories, like Stan Lee's reaction to the death of Gwen Stacy. Like, Mm -hmm. I've always heard one version of it, and this book presented a completely different perspective to how that all shook out. And so that's where the book is beneficial, even to a a well-read fan, is you discover you've still only heard one version of these stories. That's right. And most of the time, those the version of the story came from Stan, who was a salesman and wasn't necessarily interested in telling you the truth, but like the heart of the truth, you know. So he wanted you to be involved and feel involved. But a business is a business; they don't have to reveal all their dark and dirty secrets to to you. You know what I mean? Nobody nobody knocks on Penguin or Random House's door like, "Excuse me." How are these books published? You know, like that's not what people do. And so I like, like you said, that there's a kind of like movies where like we'd like to hear the behind the scenes stories like, oh, this movie's in trouble and they had to bring in a new director and we had to do this. And like we know a lot of that stuff before as a film fans, like before seeing the movie um, and that informs our viewing of the film. And we don't really do that with comics. We just read the comic and we like the characters or we don't. We like the art or we don't. And, um, But it's cool to go back and see that, like, oh, who didn't like, you know, who didn't like, you know, the death of Gwen Stacy? Oh, do you know that time that Stanley was trying to sell the X-Men rights to TV and he didn't even know the characters that were in the X-Men books right now because he was so disconnected from it? Those are really interesting pieces of comic book history. Uh, and what I really loved also was, spoiler, but the penultimate chapter. If you've ever tried to explain somebody why Marvel Studios happening was such a big deal, but then yet still the X-Men were at Fox and Spider-Man's at Sony, like – there's finally a chapter that explains to you how all that happened. Mm-hmm. You know, I knew they had been sold off, but it actually explains to me, like, this is why so-and-so has the TV rights and so-and-so has the film rights. And why does this company have these film rights and this company have these? Right. Finally, in one succinct little chapter, it's like, oh, there's the explanation I've been looking for for years. Yes, I agree. Yeah. And th- there's just uh, – it- some of it is already known. I feel like so. If you've watched any like history of comics or read anything else, there's a lot in this book that you'll feel like, oh, I knew that already. But there's always something added to it. You're like, oh, maybe I didn't know that bit though. Maybe I didn't know that bit. Oh, that's interesting. That's new. Uh, and I think that's that's its strength. That even if you are familiar with Marvel Comics, Marvel Studios, Marvel history, these characters, there is something to learn, and it is a breeze to read as a oh, nonfiction. My- 
Oh my goodness. I mean, the audio book is 17 hours, but I think I pl- I'll do three fourths of it over the course of three days. Like mm-hmm. I would, I with the audio book. And once I said the narrator was fantastic. So if you, if you like audio books, this is a definitely a recommendation to download the audio of this. You know, I've been walking almost two miles every day and that, which took me about 30 minutes and like, I can get through 30 minutes of this book. And it was just like, Oh, you know, you get mm-hmm. through a chapter or two and it, it, I never lost the thread of the narrative in a nonfiction book while walking where you would think a nonfiction book because of its focus on details is, is, you know, you need to concentrate more with nonfiction and mm-hmm. this book it, it it's not it does, it's not dumbed down it's just breezy yeah part of that might be because you and i are already familiar so when they say things like you know roy thomas had left 20 months before i know who roy thomas is already and so i don't need this to be i don't need to be explained to me so i'm able to hold on to those names pretty closely but if you don't know them the book is also happy to tell you and remind you a couple of times uh, so no matter how you come to it, whether you know nothing about the comic book industry or you already know a lot, there is something to gain each way. Because I think I think it goes back to the fact that the author interviewed so many people. You feel like while the stories might be familiar to you, the people behind the stories are not. And so what you're getting is – I feel like I now have a better understanding or grasp of who the creators are as people and what were their struggles as a person in the industry. And so that's where I feel like I got the most enrichment by reading this book. Hmm. That's a great point. I Just in terms of writing style, uh, there's a – like a, uh, I can't think of the right way to phrase it. Almost like a, there's a word selection process here that is mean and lean without being without being super um, without being I guess simple. If that makes sense, it's almost like a, like a closely cut piece of meat. If it's like the bruschetta of nonfiction books, right? It's, it's concise. T- it's concise. Uh, it's not even the word I was searching for because it's real. Honestly, it's not a small book. I mean, you're no. talking almost five hundred. You're talking almost five hundred pages of Marvel but history. It's, but it's also covering about fifty years. That's right. It's it, because you're talking before there was Marvel. Before there was Marvel Comics, right? There was Marvel Comics number one. You know, so you're talking all the way back. You're talking back into the forties, uh, really. Yeah. Um. So, um. You know, but you know, you still have to, and you get some information, even if you're not a huge Marvel person. Actually, you're getting some, some comic back back comic book background, like you know the, you know, first publication of the funnies in 1933 and Superman in 38 and things like that. So, um. Yeah, it's just I like I haven't read it. Like I said, I told you off this. I haven't read it in a couple of years, but like I want to read it again just because there's a few things that I forgot. Gets me like excited to read comics, um, which is also something that I, I enjoy about it. Like it doesn't taint my interest in the industry. If anything, I'm like I got to read all the older stuff too now because I really want to know. I just want to 
I want to read into like I want to read Steve Ditko's Doctor Strange and see Anne Rand's philosophy on display because that's what he was doing. But you wouldn't get that as a kid. But you would you get it the older you are, the more informed you are. I also found it really interesting to see. Oh, wow. The same arguments that people make today about comic books or about the comic book movies, they, those are – it's like, wow, there's nothing new under the sun. The same philosophical arguments or the same business arguments have been happening the entire time, and it just feels like a cycle of – are they for kids? Are they for adults? Are they too serious? Are they not serious enough? Mm-hmm. And it's like it just comes in waves, and it's amazing to me to go, wow, we're still griping about these same issues now. And it's kind of funny to see how, as far as the book is concerned, how Marvel landed on different sides of that over the years and to see what the perception of Marvel is now and criticisms that people would have against Marvel, say, in the 70s, are the very criticisms that Marvel fans today would be having against other companies because Marvel has flipped on the other side of the cycle for this period of time. That's right. And so, and so, that, and so that cyclical nature of history is also something that makes this book really delightful and intriguing to read. Mm-hmm. I think even just as little things as like some of the your favorite stories that like we people talk about and everything are just plain old money grabs, you mm-hmm. know, from a company and you know and like we place this kind of create like almost like this like creative throne at the feet of some companies and just like actually it was we just did that to sell toys for this other thing and now it's it's like part of our the fabric of our company but we didn't know it was going to turn out that way i think those things are i think those things are what thrilled me the most plus i just love some real good jack kirby stories like yeah i'm gonna go fight some american nazis on the street punch him in the face then get back to drawing captain america you know that's <laughs> that's uh that's that's what i do so yeah i loved it through and through it's just a it's just a great book um yeah yeah there's a there's a a version kind of like it. Uh, it's a different author. It's called Slugfest, and it, it the lens is the rivalry between Marvel and DC, at the comic book industry. And so, um, it it would in a lot of it does rehash a lot of what you would read in Marvel Comics: The Untold Story, but you do get a lot of DC bits moving up into the moving up into the 21st century so if people want both sides you can also check out you can also check out slugfest but honestly i think i enjoyed slug slugfest more because i read marvel comics the untold story first i was able to contextualize a lot a lot of what was happening behind the scenes well and then i also want to throw out another recommendation that if you are also intrigued by the specific period in time when there was the the witch hunts of the comic book industry, like Frederick Wortham in The Seduction of the Innocent, I would also suggest you read The Tencent Plague that only focuses on that period, which what I discovered by reading that book is that the period – like people went after comic books for a longer period of time than is popularly thought. Like we think of Wortham. We think of the 50s. And it's amazing to look back and go, ooh, that was a longer period of time with a lot of cyclical, like, different people with targets on their backs. So I would mm-hmm. also recommend going and reading The Tencent Plague. 
That's good. That's a great point, too. So, well, there you got a couple of reading recommendations from Read Up this time. Uh, but, Scott, thank you so much for thank you so much for coming on and reading this book. And I was happy to have a chance to talk about it, even if my um, detailed memory of some of the events, uh, some of those f- minute stories are uh, a little hazy right now. Where can the people find you? Now, they can find me. Uh, on Twitter at DC27. Of course, they can also find me at my own show at DC Film Squadcast. Same name on Twitter. Scott, thank you for coming on. I appreciate having you, as always. Well, thank you for having me, as always. You have been listening to Read Up, the podcast where we talk about books intellectually and stuff. You can find Read Up on Twitter at Read Up Podcast and the host at TimothyPG13. Rate and review Read Up on iTunes and listen on any place podcasts can be found. Head over to patreon.com slash thoughtbubbleaudio to support all of your favorite Thought Bubble Audio podcasts. You can find all of the Thought Bubble Audio programs at thoughtbubbleaudio.com. Until next time, have a good read.